praise and possessions. Those are two dominant idols of our age, the desire for self-glory and the desire for material wealth. So what is the Christian's relationship to the praise of the world and to the possessions of the world? Pastor John explained in a really helpful sermon at the 2019 Gospel Coalition National Conference in Indianapolis, in a sermon on Jesus' words in Mark 8, verses 31 to 38. I'll begin by reading the text. Mark 8, 31 to 38, And he, Jesus, began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does a profit a man to gain the whole world and to forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. End quote. Here now is Pastor John. Verse 36. What does it profit a man? to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? This is about possessions. This is about stuff, money, houses, books, computers, land, businesses. Suppose your heart considers the worth of Jesus and considers the worth of possessions, the gladness you could have in Jesus, the gladness you could have in possessions. And suppose your heart is drawn to prefer possessions, which is what is happening to billions of people. Suppose your heart is drawn to prefer the worth of possessions, and you turn away from Jesus, and you embrace as superior to Jesus all that earthly possessions can give you. And suppose you succeed all your life. You succeed, nothing but success. And by the end of your life, suppose you own everything. The world. Everything. (laughs) Not just Apple and Google. Mobile oil. All of it. It's yours. You call all the shots. You own them all. That's what he envisages, right? Verse 36. Gain the whole world. And then you die. And instantly you realize it was suicide. It was eternal suicide. And suppose facing Jesus... You say, I'll give you everything. I'll give you everything I have. I own it all. I'll give you everything, the whole world, in return for my soul. What do you think he will say? 
I think he will say this. You would try to buy your soul with the very possessions that destroyed your soul? The very possessions that you preferred over me. Christ replacing, Christ belittling idols have no currency in heaven. And he will turn his face away and you will perish forever. What you just tried to do with your money, that ransom and pay. For the many, for the elect of God, the ransom is paid, and you preferred not to be a part of it. You preferred not to be with Jesus. You preferred to make crystal clear you were not elect. That's what you meant to do. You're going to go with the alternative treasure. Oh, my, don't do that. That's verses 36 and 37, and the intention is to clarify how the me and my gospel of verse 35 is more precious than things. Do you feel freedom welling up in your heart right now? I do. I mean, there are temptations at 73 with stuff. I need all the help I can get to be free. Right? You do too. Free, free, free from the main idols in the world, possessions and praise. Let's look at praise. Verse 38. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, and notice again, me, me, my words. Verse 35 said, me and the gospel. Here it's me and my words. Whoever's ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and with the holy angels. So Jesus is making clear there are two audiences for our lives. Number one, this adulterous and sinful generation. Adulterous, not mainly because they sleep around, but because they find more pleasure in God's creation than in God, and thus they commit adultery against God, which is the essence of sin, adulterous and sinful generation. The other audience is three, the coming of the Son of Man, or the Son of Man at his coming, his glorious Father, and millions, I'm going to say millions from Daniel 7, millions of holy angels. That's a lot of glorious beings to smile at you or turn away. And the question for us is, whose approval do we crave most? Whose praise are you most desperate not to lose? In whose presence do you fear most being shamed? Which relationship is most precious to you? Which brings us back now to verse 35. Whoever would save his life will lose it. That is, whoever lives to save his reputation, to avoid shame, to save his 
acceptance with the people that matter to him, namely an adulterous and sinful generation, which points out the inanity of it all, will lose his respectable and popular life. The Son of Man, the Son of Man, the all-glorious Father, the millions of holy angels, will in one terrifying moment turn their face away in eternal shame. If you have tried to save, I gotta save my reputation. I gotta save my acceptance. I gotta save how cool I am in the lives of everybody. You're gonna die. And millions of angels, the noblest creatures in the universe under God, will turn their face away. But the second half of verse 35, whoever loses his life on account of me and the gospels will save it. In other words, Whoever experiences me and my suffering and my rejection, my death, my shameful crucifixion, my resurrection, whoever experiences all that is more precious than the respectability of popularity, more precious than being accepted, being admired by an adulterous and sinful generation. You can live forever under the smile of the Son of Man and his Father and millions of angels. So here's the sum of the matter. Mark 8, 31 to 38 is first news, the greatest news in the world. Verse 31, the Son of Man must suffer many things. He must be rejected. He must be killed. And he must rise again. The merciful, sovereign, all-controlling God planned it, prophesied it, performed it, suffering, rejection, death, resurrection of the Son of Man. And therefore, it's not random, it's gospel, it's ransom, it's grace. The way in to the gospel so that you not only experience the suffering, the rejection, the death, but the resurrection unto eternal joy with Jesus, the way into that is to experience the birth of a new self, a self that looks at the suffering, the rejection, the killing, the rising of Jesus, and then looks at possessions and looks at praise and says, possession-loving self, praise-loving self, I deny you, I kill you, I reckon you dead, you have no dominion in my life. That's a new man. That's a miracle. That's salvation. And if it costs me my life to deny you, you possession-loving self, you praise-loving self, if it costs me my life to deny you, I die gladly to be with Jesus forever. That's the point of this text. Amen. Dying to self-praise and dying to a love of possessions. You can listen to or watch the entire 2019 Gospel Coalition National Conference message online at DesiringGod.org and search for its title, The Golden Stitches of Sovereignty, preached a little over a year ago on April 1st, 2019. Thanks for listening today. If you haven't done so, you can get new episodes as soon as they launch by subscribing to Ask Pastor John in your favorite podcast app in Spotify or by subscribing to DG's YouTube channel. 
And to find other episodes in our archive or to submit a question to us of your own, go online to desiringgod.org forward slash John. Well, is God humble? Is God humble? It seems like such a simple question, doesn't it? It's not. It's actually a really great question, exactly the kind of question we have come to expect from our perceptive listeners out there. Keep them coming. Thank you for sending in great questions like this one. Is God humble? I'm your host, Tony Ranke. That's next time on Friday. We'll see you then.